Welcome to this podcast from We Thrive, the web-based tool to improve motivation, engagement and staff retention by finding out what's getting in the way of work satisfaction so your managers can do something about it. In the first of this series, we talked about what people really need from their work and the basic order for holding a management conversation. Now I want to expand on that basic order and present a more powerful way of talking about change so that it happens. By the way, if you have a round of staff one-to-ones coming up in anything more than a week's time, there is still time to sign up for We Thrive, paste in the emails, get the staff surveys underway, and in a few days you'll see at a glance where the real opportunities are. There is a natural sequence to a learning conversation that goes well. It introduces the idea at the right time in the right way, allows for exploration and answering of questions, and then seals the deal in a way that leads to action. There are also countless ways to get it wrong. So here's a six-step guide to walking a new idea into someone's head using the RIGAR format. First, rapport. Start by building rapport with the other person to get them at ease. Some people advocate matching posture, movements and tone of voice, and you can do that, but if you are going to do it, practice first and do it really subtly, or it can backfire, as people may feel you're trying to manipulate them. It may be safer just to have a conversation about something that is working well within the working life or something social, and whatever the purpose of the meeting is, not to mention that until the ice is broken, shoulders have relaxed, and breathing has returned to normal. Step 2. Information. When, and only when, you've broken the ice, conversation is running well, then you can talk about what could be better. And for this, you need the best possible information about how they see the issues, and you need to have it in terms that make sense to them. Then you'll be working from their picture, not yours, in other words. And only then can real communication start to take place. At this stage, you also need to ask open questions and unpack any fuzzy or abstract replies. If you get any sense that people are using words in different ways or the language isn't being fully shared and comprehended between the two people involved, it's time to step back from that and get into the concrete world. Who is doing what, when, with what, why, etc. Back to actions and away from ideas. Step three. Now we've got into rapport, there's a real conversation taking place, and we've got some useful information about what's going on. It's time to set some goals. We suggest that goals should always be framed positively, that is to say, do this rather than don't do that. They should be achievable in practice. They have to be achievable in practice by the person you're talking to, which takes you back to the questions of knowledge, skill and resources. And they need to be needs related so that they'll actually make the person feel better and generate motivation. If you're male like me and have trouble remembering more than one thing at a time, you might welcome an acronym at this point. Think PAN, P-A-N, positive, achievable, needs related. Step four, making it happen. Start by accessing the resources that they'll need in order to get going. How will they achieve the new goals, in other words? What resources do they have in order to help them do that? What have they done before that was similar and worked well? Who have they seen learning and growing as a result of a similar intervention at work? Wake up those memories and they will feel more confident and optimistic about using the new objectives. Also, investigate what knowledge, skills and practical resources will be needed and reassure them that those will be made available and in time. Step five, time to get practical and agree the actual strategy for this change to take place. How exactly in the real world will they use their skills and resources to achieve those new goals? What training and support will they need? How will the changes will be brought in? When, where and so on. Get as full a list as you can so that there is little or no uncertainty left to cause fear. Step six, the vital one, time to rehearse those changes. Ask, what do you think it'll be like being able to do this or that? 
and any other questions that will get them imagining a future that works better. If they can build a real picture of it and feel the benefit in their own minds, even before they've actually started doing it, there's much more chance of change starting and then sticking. Practice these little interventions with people all the time. You don't need to do it in a one-to-one -one or a formal review conversation. You can ask somebody anytime, just, just run me through that one more time. What would it be like doing that thing differently? And every time you do that, you ask them to go into their imagination and build up the picture, which makes it so much easier to do it in practice when they are physically in front of the task. Throughout this whole process, it's really important to keep an eye on the language, because plain old everyday words contain unseen traps. Unless you really know that someone is talking nonsense, you tend to assume that they know what they mean. But actually, the meaning in two people's heads is never exactly the same, and it's often significantly different even when people are sure they've agreed. In the work context, this is a cause of all kinds of errors, demoralising people without their knowing why, and it's completely unseen because everyone thinks they're talking the same language. So please bear these principles in mind throughout the Rigar conversations. Practice them before you even start holding them. These are absolute rules when using words, just four of them. One, when you talk to someone about work, the aim is to arrive at the same understanding so that you have the same picture in your head as they have, and then there'll be no unmet expectations or nasty surprises. Don't just tell people what to do. Check back, ask them to describe their picture of the work so that you can see whether it's the same as yours. Ask supplementary questions to be absolutely sure that there is no gap between your understanding and theirs. Get a proper balance between tell and ask. At the same time, watch out, because some words never have a common meaning and are bound to cause problems. All abstract nouns, words that refer to ideas, not concrete physical things, are in this category and must be unpacked, talking over exactly what they mean in real terms before the result of using them can be predicted. It is never enough to assume that someone else has the same mental picture of what values or whatever means, for example. Try getting two people to write down what they think it means and compare the results and you will see remarkable differences emerge. Now do this for every abstract word in all your company operating documents and think about the potential for confusion. Step three, look beyond the individual's own job description. Everyone needs to know why they're doing their tasks, how that meets the needs of the company, their colleagues and the end user or customer. Otherwise, the work won't have real meaning and purpose. Step four, almost everyone works best when they feel part of the group, something bigger than themselves. And that feeling of group membership comes about when people share intentions, experience and ideas. So when sharing ideas, make sure that everyone in the group does have the same picture. It will reduce errors and improve group cohesion. If it isn't obvious why you might want to do all this, just pull up any government circular on education or health and ask yourself how many of the words in there have an absolutely certain concrete meaning. People have to interpret this stuff and deliver practical services. No wonder there are occasional errors. In the next in this series, we're going to move on to look at the problem of blame and how to hold a no-blame conversation. This podcast came from We Thrive, the key to a happy, motivated and engaged team. Find out more at wethrive.net.